live from Columbus. It's the Zone of Truth. This week on the show, Griff and I review the 2021 Bud Light Seltzer Ugly Sweater Pack, explore the mythology of Haster, the King in Yellow, in another installment of the segment Griffin's God Complex. And of course, we're going to be answering some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. And we're back. We're back, baby. It's a Saturday night. The feeling's right. The feeling is right. Had an elucidating conversation before this. Yeah. Maybe we'll tag it on to the back. of. <laughs> that would be prime content. <laughs> it was very funny. Um, Even the live listeners missed about five minutes of that combo. Yeah. It was a deep well of content. <laughs> and I'm not going to. Emphasis I don't wanna, on deep. Yeah, not going uh, to spoil the surprise. If I remember to tag it on the end of the episode, you guys are really going to enjoy it. But anyway, how are you doing tonight, Griffin? Doing well. I'm, uh, I'm ready to get my drink on. It's Saturday yeah. night. We just recorded four episodes in a single week Ooh. of just the main show. Yes. I'm exhausted from GMing all of that. I want to drink. I need a drink. Last night went so late, but it was a wild time. I can't say much more than that because it's several episodes ahead of when this will drop. Times is tough. Times is tough, but times is tough for our characters. I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good too. Yeah. Are you drinking anything right now? Uh, well, I just finished up a Pabst Blue Ribbon hard cold brew, and I know that uh, we have a drinking segment on the show, so I haven't prepared anything additional. Good. We are going to be doing that in just a moment here. But let's talk about what's been going on in your life lately, Griffin. What have you been up to? Do you not have a drink? I've got one for the after party. I got a, a Brewdog Lightspeed. Okay, it's fair a enough. light, low-cal, hazy IPA, but actually has really good flavor to it. I'll be saving that for later because I think just like last time, we'll probably be splitting these down the middle two and two, which we're getting to in a moment. Yeah. What's going on? First of all, I think I'd like to listen to some music. Hold on. What's going on? You just set the mood. A little wintry theme. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Get a little, little winter into the mix. But uh, for me, I've been I've been prepping a lot <laughs> the past uh, couple of weeks. But Haley and I have done our not full rewatch, but we've uh, jumped back into Gravity Falls, which is a Disney cartoon that is really good i really enjoy it uh, so if you haven't watched that before you should i've also started another randomized pokemon run this time i'm oh playing boy. pokemon emerald and it's been wild i've been enjoying it a lot it's the time of year where i start at the beginning of november maybe late october early november start jonesing to play another pokemon game because i'm conditioned because the pokemon games usually come out every year in november oh sure and yeah. So I always start jonesing for it like three or four weeks before the actual new game comes out. And I'm like, ah, I really want to play that style of game. I guess I'll just play an old one randomized. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing right now in my free time. And it's 
a lot of fun. I've been busy, man. Uh, work's been a little crazy, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but tis the season. Yeah, tis the season. A lot of budget stuff, um, but I'm I'm excited. I, I um, get my first new hire, Hell so yeah. I'm I'm excited to uh, kind of start the start being a manager, mm. Be, putting on the big boy pants. Absolutely. So uh, so I've been really excited about that. Getting looking forward to it. Nice. Well, as for me, I have made a big life change in the last couple weeks. I adopted a kitten. He is a tiny little, about 15-week-old, two-pound, nothing-ounces, gray kitty. He's got real, real light striping to him, so I think he might be some sort of, like, gray cat tabby mix a little bit, but he is wildly playful. He's a lot of fun. I think I've decided on a name. I'm going to call him Jasper. Okay. Um, I think we could, but a lot of us could see this coming. Absolutely. But he has just been an absolute joy, but it's been a lot of work and a lot of life changes and additional stressors that I got to work through. Like today, I'm, you know, getting ready to come over here, make myself a lunch, sit down on the couch, turn on the TV, going to watch something. Little guy starts walking towards the TV and I'm like, don't you do it. Don't you do it. He looks back at me and then goes behind my little entertainment center and then boom, TV, internet, everything goes out when he steps on the power strip and hits the button. There you go. And then, so I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. Okay. That's just cats. Yep. So I go and I reset everything, sit down, start eating my food again, starts walking back towards the TV. I'm like, you little son of a bitch, don't you dare. Goes behind there again. Steps on the power strip. <laughs> Boom. Everything turns off. And so I'm convinced at this point that he's just trolling me. So I reset everything again, except this time I like flip the power strip on its side and jam it under so he can't step on it. Oh, and go. it's just that kind of stuff that I've been dealing with. I wonder what it would be like if they, like if, um, if Cats was rewritten for the modern technological oh. era. Oh, sure. Like a, uh, like a Gen Z cats. Yeah. They're on TikTok and stuff. Well, yeah, I mean like parts of that would be like, yeah, my you know, my owner keeps fucking filming me for TikToks. So mm. You'd have like you'd have shit like the half electrocuted cat. Ooh. Uh yeah. Grimble zap the Grimble zap. <laughs> the half electrocuted cat yep. that like chewed too much on a power cord and got shorted out. Mm. I like this a lot, yeah. Cats too. Cats, cats too. twenty twenty one. I like this a lot. Okay. Let's make it happen. So that's been a whole big ordeal for me. And I've been trying to introduce them to quality cinema. So I've watched Dune with the kitty. Nice. Fantastic movie. Absolutely stunning to watch. Really cool. I didn't see the old David Lynch one. I haven't read the book. I just know that it's very important and relevant to science fiction. So I gave it a shot and I really, really loved it. Huge recommendation out there. I also watched a horror movie the other night. It's a movie called Suspiria. It's on Amazon Prime. Have you heard of this one, Griffin? Ooh, I, I might have seen. This is a little bit older, isn't it? It's um, like, uh, I think it was within the last three to five years. Okay, I might uh, be thinking of something that's like ten years old. It might be a remake too, and I might be wrong about that. But it, I think it might be. It's basically if you had a crossover between like Black Swan and Hereditary. Like it's okay. the, it's a it's a very long, drawn out, building of dread type of movie with some very interesting body horror in there as well. It was something else. There are some memorable moments from that film. Hmm. Very cool. I think you'd like it a lot. 
And it's not like a Netflix movie, right? It's just on Netflix. No, it's on Amazon Prime. And I think the studio is like Amazon Studios. Oh, that's interesting. Tilda Swinton's in there. Um, She's awesome. Swinson, I think is pronouncing her last name. Yeah, it's really good. It was interesting. I liked it a lot. That's kind of it, though. Honestly, yes, work has also been very busy for me. Tis this season. And any free moment I have now, it's just trying to burn up all of the energy in this kid and like running him around so I can sleep later. Yeah, we got the got the retail boys. You know it. <laughs> Black Friday is right around the corner. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, we're in our Super Bowl now. We're in our <laughs> Super Bowl now. <laughs> yep. Shut up. Yep, yep, yep. So, okay. I have not had any alcohol today. We gotta get to it. What are we doing? We are doing our little... What, what are we calling this now? 12 packs of Christmas? Yeah, 12 packs of Christmas. 12 packs of Christmas. Cause, I cause really like all that. all the seltzers come in a 12 pack. Mm-hmm. Well, I was hoping that there would be 10 more of these after this. Oh, but no, that, that wasn't what I envisioned when I came up with that name. But No, no, no. But okay, so quick recap for those of you who are not caught up on the Zone of Truth. Last time, we had the Truly Holiday Party Pack. There were a whole bunch of really unique flavors in there, and I think it was pretty much well-received between both of us because although they didn't quite feel like holiday flavors, they're all really unique and not offensive. I picked they one up easy. because I wanted Haley to try the flavors. Oh, sweet. So Haley, how'd you like them? That tonight. Oh, haven't tried them yet? All right. You, you got an exciting adventure in front of you. So this one, I'd say, from the get-go, seems to be a lot more holiday-themed. But let's review the rating scale before we actually start cracking these bad boys open. So we're going to be rating them on this scale from worst to best. How early does Christmas come? Does it come the night before Christmas? Are we talking about the 12 days of Christmas? Talking about Christmas coming on Black Friday? Talking about just took down the Halloween decorations? Or Christmas in July? That's the our scale? The earlier the better. Yes, the earlier the better. And the flavors that we have are as follows. Cranberry, Cherry Cordial, Sugar Plum, Seltzer Nog. <laughs> I don't really like. I, I'm not thrilled by this this lineup. I'll tell you. <laughs> yes. So I think I can speak for in the podcast in general. We were very, very positive on the 2020 Ugly Sweater Pack. Yeah, which I think was, it was great. Ginger Snap, Peppermint Patty, Apple Crisp, and Cranberry. Cranberry being the only one that's survived. Yeah. Um, and honestly. Bad. I thought cranberry was a decent execution of a cranberry, but it but was of the maybe four, the weakest probably the, the weakest. Yeah. yeah. So honestly, they really have to blow me away here to I don't make know up for how the you blow somebody away with a sugar plum, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> I don't even we'll know what a sugar plum tastes. Like. I don't know what it's supposed to taste like. So I'm yeah, I'm just kind of just kind of going in hoping that it tastes good. All right. Well, let's start this off here. Cranberry. First impressions. The can is very winter flavored. All of them say seltzer season, but it's an annotated version. It says S-Z-N. Oh, great. Um, that's pretty Gen Z, I think. I don't know. That's pretty Gen Z, I think. <laughs> I, I don't Cats, Cats 2021 on the brain. Uh, there's also some suspicious... Wild accusations to Gen Z. <laughs> there's, uh, there's also some suspicious black material on here. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to clean this off with my shirt a little bit. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to drink out of that, too. Well. 
I'm just saying, not a good start for Bud Light. Okay. Let's give this a shot. You know what? Again, a fine cranberry. Cranberry is a flavor that I usually don't pursue outside of seltzers, but I think in general, I think it works for seltzers. But again, I'm always going to hold it up against the Bon and Viv cranberry, which I haven't had in a very long time, but I'm very positive on. Yeah, what are your I, thoughts? I, this is slightly worse than the Bon and Viv cranberry, mm-hmm. but it's still a strong cranberry flavor. I mean, I'm going to give it a Black Friday because it's it's exactly what it says on the tin. Cranberry is not my favorite flavor, but it's completely fine and drinkable. And I would drink all four of these in the pack. Yeah, I think I can't agree with you more. Is cranberry my favorite flavor? No. Is this the best execution of cranberry? Also, no. But, but very is this okay? close. But I would say yeah. it's very close to the best execution I've had of cranberry in a seltzer. So. Well, I think this is only going to get weirder from here. It has to because fucking cherry cordial is next. What is a cordial? I don't even know what that word means. Is a cordial like a mocktail? I think it's well, that, like that doesn't I, make any sense then because this has. Well, no, no, no. I know it has booze in it, but I think like a like a cherry cordial is like a. I think it's like an appetizer beverage or some shit. Um, it's. There, there's also uh, cherry cordials, cordial cherries, which are sh- sugar syrup oh, okay. covered cherries, and also those are usually mm-hmm. um, sometimes dipped in chocolate. So like you'll see those sometimes around, but they're like a sugar syrup with maraschino cherries and stuff. Okay, so this should taste like a maraschino cherry instead yeah. of a black cherry. You know what? First impressions. If it's sweeter than a regular cherry flavor, that could help it avoid the medicinal taste that a lot of these cherry seltzers do have. So we'll see. Maybe. Okay. Um, I just cracked this open. Let's give it a shot. Mmm. Oh, don't don't betray. No. Wow. That smells like you just opened up a a thing of maraschino cherries. (gasps) Oh, man. That literally. Oh, wow. Okay. That took me on a journey. It hit my palate. I hated it. Then the flavor grew a little bit, and I grew to enjoy it. And now there's an aftertaste, which I don't like. (laughs) So I'm giving this the 12 days of Christmas, two out of five. Yeah, I'm giving this the night before Christmas, but that's because I fucking hate maraschino cherries. And this is very, very close to a maraschino cherry. This is maraschino cherry, like... To the max. Well, uh, I'll set this aside for the one that I'll be drinking after because you definitely don't want it. I I will lay on the nog grenade, which I'm sure I'm going to have to do. Okay. (laughs) That cherry cordial turned my stomach in a way I do not want again. I'll tell you what. It's probably only going to get better from here. Haley, you are going to fucking love the cherry cordial. (laughs) And I think you should try it. I really want to try it. I'd have to read and make sure they're gluten-free, but I They, they love... are certified gluten-free. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, I love maraschino cherries. Those if, are a favorite of mine. If you can them. swing over here yeah, and want to take I'll, a sip. I'll Hell yes. All right. Yeah, if you want to swing over, I'm going to start cracking open the sugar plum and getting that ready to go. Haley, uh, let me know your thoughts when you get us for that. I would actually... It smells a little bit like the chocolate, too. Yeah, it does kind of mm, have yeah. like a... Very oh my! Those are one of my that. favorite candies. I pick this it, up as my own like guilty pleasure during the holidays. I don't know how we're compatible. <laughs> Opposites, baby. Terrific. 
All right, what, what do you think, Kaylee? Give it a try. That's just like the candy. Like, it's like the, I remember the boxes, they, they say like Queen Anne's on them. And they're um, chocolate covered cherry cordial. They're like, they're delicious. This is great. This is delicious. But now I want that candy. How early do you think Christmas should come for that? Um, uh, uh, I didn't listen to your rules. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. I don't listen to you, even though I have to sit in this room with you. I purposely <laughs> did not. One out of five. What if? Uh, th- to me, this is a solid like four. Wow. Okay, so you just took down the Halloween decorations. Yes. I the system hate, makes sense. I hate that because I am not that kind of person. Well, you know, that's just how early Christmas comes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. The back half of this is terrifying. Although there's no black sediments on either of these cans, so that's a major plus. Yeah, that's a great sediment. All right. Hold up. Do I get to keep this? I sure as fuck don't want it. Uh, I, I don't really want it either. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, thanks. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go ahead and try this sugar plum. Give it here. Okay. Now that you've tasted I it. I feel that one in my plums. I would like to give my thoughts. That is just kind of a general sweetness. I like it. It's not bad. I don't know what's special about it. There's not much special about it, but it's it's got a real plum. What? God, she's fiending for him now. Now she likes the holiday packs. I'm never going to get rid of these. I'm going to give it a Black Friday. I think it is a decent seltzer. It's a little weird because it's just a general sweetness to me, but it's okay. Um... It's hard to divorce the rating from what we've seen so far, but I think I'm going to agree with you. Like, this is a pretty, it's inoffensive. It's middle of the road. I think, honestly, it offsets the cranberry really well because the cranberry's got kind of that, like, tartness that the cranberry has, and that's really just sweet. Hey, uh, that tastes distinctly (laughs) like perfume. Well, don't put that thought in our head. It tastes distinctly like if you were to spray, spray for perfume and you accidentally miss a little bit and you get a bit in your mouth. Yeah. Well, I'm going Black Friday because that was before I got the perfume thought in my head. <laughs> uh, yes. But now one of us is going to have to drink that. <laughs> all right. All right. Now August, baby. Moment that we're all waiting This is for. the heavy hitter. This is the important one. Oh, I think I lied earlier. There's some black stuff on this can too. <laughs> you get these? Uh, Steve brought these from a back alley. Yeah, you don't know what I had to throw a pineapple upside down. You uh, guys will get that joke later. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bud Light Seltzer, Seltzer Nog, Seltzer Season, Seltzer Nog. That's what the can says. <laughs> Love it. Let's crack this bad boy open. That tall boy. What are your thoughts on eggnog? I actually like eggnog, so hmm. if they do this well, I, I know, I know my stomach will be able to handle it if they do it okay. <laughs> Does it smell like spoiled milk? Okay. I have tasted it. Whoa. Not a good uh, first impression on that scent. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Double dipping on that one. Hold on. <laughs> I gotta really coat myself in that. What the fuck? Okay, I will now deliver my thoughts. They have gone thick. Here's what they have done. <laughs> it's coated me. They took 
the ginger snap flavor of last year and made it so fucking sweet. <laughs> and I don't know how that's eggnog. It's not eggnog is, is the thing, but like it's cloying enough that it gets all over your mouth. I'll go back in. Like it hasn't left me and I put it down. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's um, that's getting a uh, 12 Days of Christmas for me. I really don't think that's pleasant or in any way an improvement over Ginger Snap. Yeah. Again, just... And honestly, it, make, uh, it makes me a little bit queasy how sweet that is. Boy. Uh, I gotta go 12 Days of Christmas, too. Like, this... Yeah. I can drink it. Just disappointing. Yeah. That, like... That's not Nog at all. I think for something to be a night before Christmas or just a one out of five, it would have to basically be not drinkable. And this, I could power through. Yeah, I could power through it. But, like, oh, dear Lord. I, like, I, I I, think for me, I physically would not power through that fucking cherry cordial. But this, oh, I, I, could, could, this cordial, I could definitely yeah. drink. All right, so... My ratings were generally low. I think... I don't think we got really anything that was uh, besides Haley really liking the uh, cherry cordial mm-hmm. uh, that was above a Black Friday so this yeah. pack I would say this pack is maybe like a 2 2.5 out of 10 or out of 5 in total I think if you average my scores they're coming about a 2.5 mm-hmm. out of 5 which is low which is like yeah here's re- what really, I really really gonna be like uh, beginning of December yeah is this more holiday themed than the truly pack absolutely does it succeed at being good? No. Is this much worse than their last year's installment? Yes. 100%. This sucks compared to their last one. Somehow still better than their fall flannel pack. Well, the fall flannel this pack was better. actually an abomination. I don't I think so I think a couple people should have been fired for that. <laughs> yeah. Like if if they had like a food scientist working on the flavors there, they should be stripped of their PhD, of their doctorate. Unless their thesis was like, how can we make a flavor for as cheap as possible? In which case, maybe, yeah, sure, I guess, yeah. So, yeah, so I, th- I think we're at about the same level here, just shy of average. I would pick the Truly Pack over this 10 times out of yeah, 10. Yeah, 100% of the time. We got three flavors in front of us. The Seltzer Nog, the Sugar Plum, the Cranberry. Which of these do you want to continue with uh, in the episode? I have a sidecar beer that I can get into. So if you want two of these, you can drink two of these. <laughs> Unless you just want one. I'll drink yeah, the other two. I'll, I'll, I'll nab a Seltzer Nog. And, um, if you're taking the Seltzer Nog, I can do the Sugar Plum. Okay, I'll hop on that Cranberry train. Okay. Wow. This is simultaneously my least favorite and my absolute favorite segment of our show. It's nice when the two of us can commiserate on how shitty some of these are. Absolutely. I think it's worth it. Okay, the results are in. You guys heard. Let's switch gears here. We're going to Griffin's God Complex. We're talking Pastor. Elder God. Old one. I don't know exactly what what the difference is between the two of those. So the difference is... um one is more powerful than the other. Mm-hmm. So uh, I believe a great old one is um, is like the statted. Yes. And the elder god is the like... I think that is correct. This is a god god. Doesn't get stats in Pathfinder. It's like uh, 
uh, Infernal Duke versus uh, um, like an actual full-on devil. Like, yeah, like Asmodeus. Asmodeus, yeah. So before we hop into the IRL lore and the Pathfinder lore and the actual stat block for Haster, Griffin, do you want to give the listeners a little bit of a reminder about why Haster is important to our Carrying Crown story? Sure. Yeah. Spoilers if you're not caught up, but I think everybody listening live is. The connection that Haster has to the party right now is that when the party went to Abaddon, Freya lost her connection to her god um, and kind of picked up a connection Mm -hmm. to any god that was out there that was willing. um, And that happened to be Haster in the form of... um, a pistol that she was given in Abaddon uh, that had the yellow sign on it. Hell yeah. And so she now continues to, even though she has reestablished her connection to Erastal, as well as her connection to Desna by atoning for her uh, alignment change that she previously had, she still has this strange connection to Haster and it's, uh, it's very interesting because she has kind of a tangential connection to two deities that are uh, at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much the only deity in, in Galarian that fights Haster is Desna. Yeah. And so Arastal is her main god, and then the two other gods that are paying attention to Freya and, and maybe giving her some boons are, uh, are kind of two sides of a coin, uh, at least in terms of like uh, of, of fighting each other. So that's how Haster's connected, and Haster clearly like had some, at least tried to exert some influence when you guys were facing Shubnagrath as well, uh, which I think you'll probably get into what the connection between Haster and Shubnagrath is in, in the HP Lovecraft lore. But, sure. Uh, they have a connection, clearly. So I'll go ahead and take this opportunity to walk through some of the quote-unquote real-life lore. Griff, you're going to be taking care of the Pathfinder lore and that stat block as well. So first of all, who we're talking about? We're talking about Haster. You may know him from alternate names such as the King in Yellow, the Unspeakable One. Him is not to be named. Kaiwan, Asatur, the Feaster from Afar, the Unspeakable, Dweller in the Depths, Thing in the Lake. Him that slept beneath, Great Prince of the Old Ones, and many more. Lots of really cool monikers in there. I listed a lot of them because they're all legitimately cool. When we're talking about Haster outside of the Pathfinder mythos, what are we talking about here? So he's regarded as a great old one, I guess not an elder god, one of the somewhat lesser versions of that. Yeah, so that the difference there would be like Yogg-Sothoth here mm-hmm. that spawned Haster is, yes. is an elder god versus a great old one. Yes, and that's exactly what's next up in my notes. His origin is unknown, but he's the spawn of Yogg-Sagoth. He is the father of Ithaqua, the sometimes mate of Shub-Nagrath and half-brother of Cthulhu. He's said to be an amorphous, vaguely octopoid being with strong ties to the lake or person, depending on what your story you're reading, of Hali, the city of Corcosa in some far-off world or dimension. However, different accounts identify him as a place, an ideal, a concept, and I have in my notes here, typical Lovecraftian vagary. Yep. I mean... (laughs) He's general. When you say Haster, you're generally thinking of a shapeless, nasty octopoid being. But depending on what you read, that falls into this mythos. He could be one of many different things or ideals or concepts. Yeah, I think whatever he's kind of 
depicted in drawing. It's usually like tentacles in a yellow robe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So where does he come from? He first appeared in a short story called Haitia the Shepherd by Ambrose Bierce. This was published in 1891. This is weird. So the summary of this short story is that this shepherd Haitia is naive and he worships Haster, the god of shepherds. But he starts to become a little bit disillusioned with his life. He doesn't really love being a a shepherd or what have you. He's getting bored. And he meets this elusive maiden over and over and over again for very short amounts of time. But he starts to get infatuated with this person. The strange thing is that when he has conversations with this maiden, if he starts to pry a little bit too much, she just disappears. There are questions that she just won't answer in the form of just vanishing. And he starts to get a little frustrated. He talks to an old blind man and tells him about this woman that he keeps seeing. And the old blind man says that this woman is happiness personified. And that's the end of the story. It's really weird. Haster is not portrayed as evil or an old one or anything. He's just a god of shepherds. And this guy meets happiness, doesn't realize what it is. And that's it. So... Not what I expected his first appearance to be. And as we get a little further, you guys are going to see where this is going. So then there's this short story collection that comes out afterwards called The King in Yellow. It's published by Robert W. Chambers. It contains a whole bunch of stories, I think around a dozen, and four of them reference Haster. The thing is, though, these references are inconsistent. Some of them describe him as a supernatural being. Others describe him as a place. Others describe him as a horrifying character in a fictional play within the stories of this short story collection. It's, again, very vague, even within a short story collection written by the same dude. Really strange. But this piques H.P. Lovecraft's interest. He reads these short stories and gets excited about this character or being of Haster. And... When we think about Haster, we associate him with Lovecraft. And I'm not sure that that's the right thing to be doing because although we may have that correlation in our minds, H.P. Lovecraft never really writes about Haster. He's only referred to once in one of his stories, The Whisperer in Darkness, which isn't even about Haster. It's about the alien race, the Migo, who are putting people's brains in jars. So... Throw back to book four, anybody there. Before we made our edits here, we talked about that on Zone of Truth. So why do we associate him with Lovecraft? Well, in this story, one of the characters is basically naming off all of the great old ones. And in that list is Haster. So although H.P. Lovecraft didn't really develop Haster, he gave him legitimacy in the mythos. Then after that, you have this dude... August Delerth. He's a publisher, and I saw online Apostle of Lovecraft. Um, okay. Take it a little far here. <laughs> right. So he further develops Haster's place in the HPL canon with his own works. He established the lineage with Yogg-Sothos. He established the appearance that we think of when we talk about Haster, and we, he introduces the concept of Haster having these avatars that he sends out to kind of do his bidding. All of these works that I've talked about so far are basically combined in one big tome that was published in 1997 called The Haster Cycle. So if you want to read all of these short stories or other short stories that reference Haster and build him up in 
the Lovecraftian mythos, that's where you're going to find basically everything about Haster. I'm just going to talk a little bit more about some of his appearances in other works that are not quite Lovecraftian here. So something that excited me, considering that I just saw Dreamcatcher for the first time. Phenomenal film. Uh, that was sarcastic. It's very, <laughs> very bad. Stephen King wrote a short story called Grandma, where a boy is left home alone with his frightening grandmother. And one of the things that is introduced is this grandmother is no longer able to have kids, but she wants to have one. So she invoked Haster and was like, Haster, help me get pregnant again. That's auxiliary. In the in the actual narrative of the story, she dies while this kid is home alone with her and he's trying to cover her with a sheet and her like gross pale body animates and grabs him and he runs away and he's calling his aunt looking for help and she says invoke the name of Haster and your dead grandmother will stop trying to attack you but he's not able to do so in time the story ends with her soul infecting his body this was actually adapted into a movie in 2014 starring Chandler Riggs huh yeah as the little boy so I kind of want to watch that now did not know then yes yes Carl um, then we got a couple other references here. Haster is actually an enemy in Doctor Who, um, who is interchangeably called Fenric, and he appeared as an enemy to the Seventh Doctor, which is kind of awesome. There is a Duke of Hell in the Good Omens book and show called Haster, and I looked up an image of him to remind myself who he was, and he's a dude that wears a frog on his head, so that's fun. I haven't seen this, but apparently... The King of Yellow is referenced in True Detective, which is interesting to me because I don't know why that would be. And then, of course, I think just like the Lamia, there's these certain cultural touchstones that most people are probably familiar with. So forgive my pronunciation here. Hayori Nairuko-san is a harem style anime and light novel where Haster is personified mm -hmm. as a young woman with um, her other friends, uh, Kathuga and Narlathotep. Uh, <laughs> I think most people are familiar with this. And, and uh, great old one, Harem Anime. Yes. Is it an anime or is it just a... Oh, yeah. I, okay. I believe it was, a, it was a light novel that was adapted into an anime. And I looked this up and I was just like, okay, I, nope, not doing this. They look way too young. Oh, no. <laughs> yep, it's one of them. <laughs> it's one of those. So knowing our listeners, I think most of our listeners are probably familiar with Haster because of that project. Yeah, because of that one. Yes. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and get into Pathfinder lore. Before we hop in, I will just want to do a short plug here. I'm currently reading through the Strange Aeons Adventure Path, and James Jacobs did a big old write-up on Haster and his cult and all of the stuff. It's in the back matter of book two of that Adventure Path. It was the only thing that I read for the Pathfinder lore before we got into this, and it was Fascinating. It was a very well-constructed little piece of four or five pages of really, really cool stuff. Yeah, it's pretty much like, much like Carrion Crown wrote about old ones. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's that's where it comes from. That's where yeah. all the Pathfinder lore is, is like in those two adventure paths. But Hester is known by pretty much the same names in Galarian lore and lives on Carcosa is chaotic evil and is concerned with decadence disorder and nihilism 
His domains are Chaos, Evil, Rune, and Void, with the subdomains Dark Tapestry, Language, Stars, and Wards, with a favored weapon that is a rapier, and the yellow sign, which is described as a three-armed triskeleton, which is what was etched on Freya's yellow gun. His sacred color is obviously yellow. Hmm. (laughs) So... Outside of the relationships that you already stated with the Great Old Ones, which are copy-pasted into uh, Galarian lore. The He's, uh, you, you're referring to um, the friendship that he has with, uh, uh, with Kathuga and Narlathotep. No, that's, that wasn't where I was going. Is the like uh, step-sibling of uh, Cthulhu and whatever. Yep, yep. Uh, that is all there. However... Hester is also the at least worshippers of Hester are um, are kind of like grudgingly allies with worshippers of Grotus mm. because they're both kind of all about nihilism and the end of all things. Um, and as I said before, uh, Desna is the only deity that actively fights against Hester, and so worshippers of Desna hate worshippers of Hester. And obviously, worshippers of Hastur are almost all in cults, old cults, as it were. Interestingly, though, they all pretend that they're not worshippers of Hastur and hide their activity. And so they often portray themselves as like clerics of Abadar and that kind of thing to try and hide their true nature. But Hastur, much like you said, with having many avatars, although being trapped on Carcosa, Hastur is essentially imprisoned there and can send his avatar to any planet that is like in view of the light of the star of his solar system or some bullshit. Yep. Yep. So sends his avatar to Galarian many times. I think, you know, small spoilers for strange aeons, but obviously that is a thing in strange aeons. The unholy text of Haster is the King in Yellow, which is actually a play. And when it is read and played out, it causes the city in which it is performed to be absorbed by Carcosa. That play is the same fictional play within the King in Yellow short story collection by Robert W. Chambers and is quoted in the James Jacobs article. Really cool bit of the tie back to the actual lore itself. Yeah. So Hester infected Galarian at Thrushmore and at a city called Neruzavian, I think, in Kazmaroon in the Age of Serpents, so mm-hmm. millennia ago. And that has been a stronghold of his ever since. I think one interesting thing is that the cult of Haster is infiltrating the uh, the cult of Rasmaran. Okay. Successfully. Uh, this I actually did not read. Okay. So they are, in essence, trying to usurp Razmir, who is, as many of you who know Pathfinder lore, is the, the false deity mm-hmm. uh, in the current setting is like kind of parading himself as a living god and is not one. Um, <laughs> so the, the cult of Haster is kind of taking that over or attempting to. It's also popular 
in Taldor and Versex, uh, in the city of Quantium, in Nex, and some cities in Galt, and less popular but exists in Riddleport. Hmm. Obviously, it's Thrushmore is like the seat of cult activity for Haster, but it has spread pretty far and wide. But realistically, the lore is the same. As with all of these great old ones, the lore is copy pasted mm-hmm. and then added to with some, you know, like I said, a couple of other deific relationships. Yep. But it's it's exactly as it is in Lovecraftian or otherwise text in the real world. However, Hester is a great old one. And Hester has stats. I can't wait to talk about this because I have not looked at the stat block at all. I just see four letters and numbers at the top. CR29. 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 Yes. Definitely the highest thing we've talked about on this show. (laughs) This entity appears to be a skeletal human form hidden under tattered yellow robes, but it moves with unsettling inhuman grace. Hester is a medium aberration, chaotic evil with great old ones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my goodness, has a lot of things just affecting it at all times that you would expect from a CR29 creature. So... Uh, stuff like true seeing, its perception is a plus 47 on top of that. It's got this unspeakable presence, which we can get into, but like the DC of a lot of its innate effects is just a DC 40, which is pretty fucking high. So it's got an AC of 48, touch AC of 37, and 731 hit points by the stat block okay. with fast healing 25. Its saves are all almost 30. Uh, (laughs) Some defensive abilities. It's always got freedom of movement on. It's immortal. This aura causes insanity. So if you fail, you are insane. You take an insanity. If you're already insane, then you become confused at a DC 40. It's got an 80 foot speed with air walk and its melee attacks are all at a plus 41. It's called a tattered lash. And this is insane. It's, it's a medium creature. It's got a 40-foot reach on this. Whoa! Its combat reflexes with its dexterity score means unless it is fighting an army, it will not run out of fucking combat reflexes. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking over your shoulder right now at the ability scores. The lowest one I see is a 24. Is that right? Yeah, that that is... Uh, it, its strength is its lowest at a 24. It's got 43 dex, so yeah. You're, <laughs> it's got... I mean, 43, 43 would put you at plus 16 or 17 attacks of opportunity around. Yeah, you're not running out anytime soon. So you're not going to run out. Uh, <laughs> so it's got that tattered lash, which doesn't deal a ton of damage, but causes bleeding. It has sneak attack, so it's 10d6 sneak attack. Anyone that is insane around it is considered flat-footed, so it gets that sneak attack damage. It's gonna make you insane because not only does it have that, but it can just cast insanity as a swift action. (laughs) It pretty much makes everybody bleed because all of its attacks deal bleed. So let's just walk through its spell-like abilities. It's constantly got air walk, freedom of movement, tongues, and true seeing on. At will, it can cast astral projection, dimension door, dream, enervation, greater dispel magic, insanity, mirage arcana, nightmare, sending, veil, and wish. However, the wish is mitigated by it can cast it as many times as it wants, 
but it has to be granting the wishes of others. And it grants the wishes of others in a way that benefits it. Oh, interesting. But it cannot grant its own wishes. So oh. it, it can like grant a wish once per day per creature. So unlimited wishes, but limited by the fact that it can only grant a wish to like you once a day. Okay. It can, it can grant a million people a wish. So a million times, but each of them only once. And boy, boy, it's immortality. If it's slain, you got to succeed at a DC 40 will save or pick up the dropped robes, put it on, immediately fucking die and turn into Haster, <laughs> who's just back. <laughs> who's just back, baby. Ugh. Fucking wild. This tattered lash, these these long strips, is actually an extraordinary ability. And the bleed damage, because of this extraordinary ability, the bleed damage stacks with itself up to 10d6. So every time you get hit, that d6 just adds up. Wait, so in increments of 10? Am I understanding that correctly? So or am I if not? I hit you once, yes. you're taking 1d6 of bleed. If I hit you Got again, it. you're taking 2d6 of bleed. Got it. Up to 10d6 of bleed. Oh. Its unspeakable presence is failing a DC 40 will save against Haster's unspeakable presence afflicts a creature with a random insanity, a creature that is already insane, instead becomes confused for as long as it remains in the area. And once per day, it can create a yellow sign as a free action. It can touch any solid surface, inscribe the yellow sign upon it. Once inscribed, the yellow sign remains for a year. Any creature that looks upon the yellow sign must succeed a DC 40 will save to avoid being dominated by Haster as dominate monster. Whether or not the save is successful, the creature doesn't have to save against the yellow sign again for 24 hours. While the creature is under the domination effect, if the creature's charisma drain plus charisma damage ever equals its charisma score, it immediately dies. It allows Haster to manifest physically at the location of its corpse as if the victim had donned Haster's tattered robes, which is its immortality ability. Sometimes I like to read through or hear about these high level stat blocks and be like, okay, if you took an average level party and just threw them against it, obviously you're probably going to lose, but it would be fun to watch them lose as like they're getting hit with crazy attacks with massive damage and interesting effects and stuff. But this creature is so powerful that I don't even think that would be entertaining. I think your party would show up this Haster would hit them with like one big effect and everyone would just fail and be done. See, I think that's interesting because it definitely depends on party composition. Because I was sure. thinking about this in the context of our recent level 20 characters. Okay. And like it has a ton of HP. It's got DR15 epic and lawful, mm -hmm. which is huge. But a character like Garrity, which was my Engraged Inquisitor, could be out of the range of its lash and my saves were such as an inquisitor that I would at least have a 50% chance of resisting any of its effects. Yeah. So, and that's only a level 20 character with no mythic, right? Yeah. So I actually like, I think if you gave a level 20 party, a couple levels of mythic, mm -hmm. I don't think you need to go like 20 level 20, uh, 10 mythic. I think you just like, if you gave them a couple levels of mythic, then all you would need is a lawful weapon. Cause you're doing DR epic. Mm hmm. And I think you could probably beat this with a party of like level 20 mythic rank three characters. To be fair, I was I was also just basically thinking um, 
like if we threw like our current party. Oh God, this. yeah, yeah. It would, it, it'd be Wipe over in a second. Floor. But it, it, it is CR twenty nine. Yes, exactly. I think for a CR twenty nine creature, this isn't very strong. Interesting. I I think the DC forty saves are like for shit like insanity, which a level twenty party can fix. Mm-hmm. If you have a level twenty cleric, you can fix that pretty easy. And the biggest issue is that you can't kill Haster. You just can't. It, right. It's like immortal in that he like if you put the robes on he comes back mm-hmm. if you wait 24 hours and let the robes dissolve then he just needs to be called again by any weird cultist and yes. he could just come back i think that's generally probably consistent across the old ones i remember i read through the ithaca stat block because that was included mm-hmm. in book one of strange ans in the back matter and it was a very similar thing it was like you can beat this guy but he's just going to show back up later somewhere right, else. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's got a ton of symbols as like once per day spell like abilities, like symbol of death, symbol of fear, symbol of insanity, symbol of pain, symbol of persuasion, symbol of strife, symbol of stunning, symbol of weakness. Cool. But they're all like DC 30. And a level, right, 20, yeah, party a level 20 party is going to be fine. With you're, that. You've got a very good chance of passing. I mean, my Inquisitor had over a 30 base. Yeah. So... Uh, that's the shining example at the top of how high it's going to go. But, but still. But like yeah. your witch probably could have saved on a oh, DC. 100%. Yeah. Easy. 100%. So yeah, I honestly don't think that kind of stuff is. I mean, it's going to get like your fighter, mm-hmm. I guess. But I don't. It's not as bonkers as maybe you could push a CR20. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like DR15 isn't even like. Like you see DR20 on shit that's not a CR20 creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very true. It, it's got a huge amount of healing, but when you think about a level 20 character that can put out 250 damage around, especially if you have something like Clustered Shot or something like Pummeling Style or that kind of shit, or you just pass a DR by having one mythic level and a lawful weapon. Yeah. Which which you can use a shitty spell to make a weapon right, lawful. Right. Like, it's really not... It doesn't even... It doesn't even... It's, it's immune to sonic, but it only resists acid, electricity, and fire. So, like, what's the resistance fuck, on there? It's resistance thirty, but like, fucking do cold damage to it. Like, fucking yeah. just b- spam it with cold, cone of colds. Yeah, I mean, even at, at the levels that you're talking about, you could bypass thirty points of any of those energy types pretty damn easy. Thirty off the top is a lot off the top, but if you're doing something at that level, you're going well over thirty. I just think like there's a lot of versatility in the stat block, but I think just on the tin. It doesn't have a lot of things that are like a save or die, and it doesn't mm. have a lot of things that are like, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, you're you're trying to stack bleed with these lashes, and you're trying to do sneak attacks. So yes, if you get somebody insane, and you can hit them with all four lashes, I mean, the lash itself does like 2d8 plus 7, but you're doing then 40d6 of sneak attack damage, and 4d6 of persistent bleed yeah so that's a lot but that's your whole turn as a cr29 creature so it just doesn't feel like that's very strong for a cr29 creature all right well you heard it here first unimpressed yeah i'm, I'm actually not really that impressed by this <laughs> i think maybe if the cr was lower i'd be like wow yeah, i'd say insane. this this would definitely yeah. be a cr25 yeah sure i think i think that's very appropriate not having done the math myself or actually built a game myself you know, don't at me here. Right. I feel I, I just feel like I have seen CR 25 creatures that feel more powerful than this. 
Yes, exactly. And I think it's to do with them making the stat block very thematic for Haster, mm-hmm. but like a ton of his shit just overlaps with itself to cause insanity and stuff, which yeah. is pretty easily overcome and isn't a death effect. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. We have talked about the in real life stuff about Haster. We've dived into Pathfinder lore. We've even talked about the stat block that wraps up this edition of Griffin's God Complex. We're going to go ahead and take a five minute break to use the restroom, refresh our drinks, and we're going to be back to answer your listener questions. So get them in now. We'll see you soon. Okay. We are back from our break. I think it's time for the listener questions. And I believe we have a voicemail this week. Before we get there. Wait, hold on. What? <laughs> I have a special surprise because because uh, of all the holiday uh, themed things we've been doing. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I don't know what this is. I think we should go into these listener questions with uh, a little holiday cheer. Oh my god, no. So I got us some peppermint schnapps and, uh, <laughs> and some Hershey syrup. Let me a little, little bit of peppermint patties. Oh, yeah, okay. You, you got me. Yeah, you can, you can have the first good. patty if you want. <laughs> what, do I just like shoot S- this into my squirt, mouth? Squirt a, little, uh, squirt, squirt a little chocolate into your mouth and then wash it down with some peppermint patty. Some peppermint schnapps. All right, here we go. Look, it was on sale for seven dollars at the grocery store. Good. <laughs> it was. It was this or Steel Reserve watermelon. <laughs> I thought this was a little better for the holidays. <laughs> That's right, buddy. Swish it around. Swish it around. Season's greetings, baby. I think I found the reason for the season. Yeah, that, that went down easy. I don't have enough food in my stomach to take more than a couple of those. Be in trouble. Oh, delish. Wow. Yeah. I really got to shake it up. That's you you a, really did, yeah. You really should, did shake it up. That's what the song Shake It Up Baby is about. Mm. I just mixed it with my tongue. Well, I'll, just, I'll leave it here. Okay. I'll leave it on the table. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit it again in the after party. All right, let's hear that voicemail. Thank you for the surprise. That was very fun. Hey guys, it's Spartan. I'm calling to put forth the question. What characters have you enjoyed playing the most on or off the pod? And what was it about them that made them so much fun to play? Talk to y'all later. This is a great question. Um, Griffin, do you have one in particular? So what characters do we enjoy playing the most on or off the pod and why? Uh... Man, I have I've played a lot of characters and mm-hmm. uh, not many on the pod. I have to say in terms of fun I have an answer and then in terms of like character I actually like to play, like role play, it's obviously Garrity, my first character that I've gotten to level 20. Mm-hmm. My inquisitor, my ranged inquisitor. Yeah, everybody knows you talk about him all the time. Um he's great though. It's a lot of fun. But I think I, I recently have a new favorite in terms of fun to play. Yeah. I've told you about this character I made. Mm. It is a, in second edition, a fighter with the rogue and scroll trickster dedication that uh, pretends to be a wizard 
and can cast scrolls of any tradition and is also a fighter so is amazing in combat is critting all the time but buffs himself with scrolls and has master arcana master level uh, occultism at level 10 master level athletics so he's like grabbing stuff all the time he has combat grab and that kind of stuff and he's just super dynamic and fun to play and I found that I just have so many options in combat with that character that it feels a lot more strategic than any other second edition character I've ever played. I feel like I have 10 options for every situation. It's really fun. That rocks. One of the things that I enjoy most about playing a character is when I have the opportunity to do what what I like to call like a, a new twist on an old favorite. So I've got two examples of this and they may be my two favorite that I enjoyed playing. In Tim's Return of the Rune Lords campaign, we brought back our old characters from Rise of the Rune Lords. Now, when we played Rise of the Rune Lords, this was basically my first Pathfinder game. I had no idea what I was doing. I built a cleric and it was just a mess, just a poorly built character. But then when we brought her back for Return of the Rune Lords, I, knowing all that I do now, like five, six years of additional Pathfinder experience on top of that, I was able to look, okay, what is my actual character concept here? And then respec her as a different archetype of a cleric. I think I picked the Sacred Attendant, which had massive, massive awesome bonuses, which I loved. What a good archetype for a cleric. So it was fun to take this old character that I hadn't played in years and reinvent her and do something cool, new, and interesting. And she was really, really fun to play with lots of versatility. Like like you mentioned, that's also a big factor in if I like playing something or not, is it going to get boring? I, th- I think that's one of the biggest things for me has always been like, mm-hmm. I just want to be able to do something all the time. Yes. I just want, I want to be effective all the time. I hate that about myself, but like, I won't play a non-skill monkey class because I don't like not having any skill. Well, you don't, yeah, you, you never want to get in the situation where, oh, sweet, I'm a fighter and I can do tons and tons and tons of damage and the enemy just floats out of your reach and yeah. you just sit on the ground and wait. That sucks. The other example that I have of that, I had the absolute time of my life playing Sawyer on the show. Like, Sawmoon Isle was built not quite well, and then- We did I, completely overhaul Sawyer. We, we absolutely overhauled him. Um, but also, I was thinking about this today, and I, I actually hadn't heard the question until this afternoon, but I was thinking about the character progression of Saw 2 Sawyer, and thinking about the different albums that Beartooth has put out. And it's almost like each one of those albums really fits well with a chapter in the story of Saw slash Sawyer that I've been trying to tell. You have the very early iteration of the character, which is very close to the disease record where he hates himself and he just has all this raw aggression and anger and substance abuse issues and stuff. Um, and doesn't really know how to process it. The music itself is very raw and visceral and a little rough around the edges, but it works because it has so much aggression behind it. Speaking of aggression, you move into like the next chapter of the evil interlude where we're starting to learn more about these characters and he has a much more focused aggression and he starts to understand that like he is sick of that version of himself, you know, sick of me and those and hated and loser and those types of songs in on the record aggressive then you have the iteration that you see 
in episode 100 and beyond, which is very close to the disease record where he's actually understanding who he is and going into combat. We're talking, I'm thinking about like greatness or death, like conquer or lose, which is, well, he lost, but he was still, he was still able to, to persevere. You saw a couple lines from a couple of those records get you, or a couple of those songs on that record get used by Griffin in the Anya eulogy. And now there is more to tell about Sawyer's story. And the Below record just came out this year and it is furious and heavy. Oh yeah, (laughs) Barlow, there you go. It's furious and heavy. And they talk about, they actually like talk about hell a lot. The namesake of the record is a song called Below. It starts off, it says, I feel the rage, something's starting to grow 666 feet in my hell below. And I'm like, all right, Sawyer is in hell right now. Come on, you it can't get better than that. So this is a very long-winded answer of, of me saying that reworking the character was a lot of fun, but actually being able to connect that character with not only this music that I love so much, but it works really well with that. And some of the some of the other things that I deal with in my personal life, it just it hits me in my heart and my my soul. It I really just like playing that character. I think it's it's always fun to play a character that you are able to successfully and satisfyingly pull off like a heel turn on. Yes. And I think that's what you've done with Saw. I mean, obviously it's a strong character because like you know your character's strong when your GM writes a, you know, twenty-hour-long interlude yes. to bring them back, right? So, it's it's interesting. It's it'll be interesting to see how that progresses because the amount of time that we've allowed that character to have, which I don't think you get in campaigns a ton. Mm-hmm. I think Strength of Thousands might be actually really interesting for that kind of character study, yes. but like you don't often get a character that gets like 10 years of their own development Mm -hmm. and that's what saw has had yes from the mechanical perspective i've been able to have a lot of fun with him but yes from that like thematic and i've been able to grow with this character so long answer to a, a relatively short question but hope we did it justice Haley, what else do we got going on here we have a whole slew of questions here so uh, we have some directly related to um, Hastor. Actually, a lot of them. All right, let's. If we got a bunch of Hastor questions, let's lightning round them. All right. So from Newt, if you, you were given an unlimited budget to film a movie inspired by Hastor, what would it look like? Ooh. Make the King in Yellow play. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think that's a great. A great call. If I remember correctly, the fiction of that play is that there are only three people in it, two folks and Haster. And it's supposed to be said in the stories that it's like supposed to be crazy and terrifying. And I really love in like a sitcom or an hour long television show when you get a bottle episode where things are confined to one location or just focus on one or two characters have a very tight three-person play King in Yellow. I think it would be really cool to do the the play, but the play is like... The play happens, right? The mm-hmm. play is maybe like 20 minutes of the movie. 
and it's not the like full play, but it's like the lead up to finding the king in yellow and utilizing it as a play Mm -hmm. and like finding the correct actors and like what's happening as the actors rehearse this thing and the psychological horror as they start to descend into madness as you get closer and closer to opening day and then the play happens and then it's like and then reality fucking warps because it's supposed to and the play culminates in like the end of that whatever that civilization is i think that would be so cool i can also see a really cool version of that being title credits the movie starts and 40 minutes in the camera pulls back and you realize you have been watching a play and then like things start going wild outside of that i love that concept yes that should be a thing i think that's probably that would probably be because it's such a it's as you talked about it's like Hester is such a nebulous concept. It'd be hard to create a movie that does the the concept justice, mm-hmm. but I think you could definitely confine it to the King in Yellow and do it justice. Yes. What do you got next, Haley? Um, another one from Newt. Again, he he put in all of these um, Hester ones all at <laughs> once, right? So uh, you're hired to reinvent his image. Do you change his color scheme? Do you try to rebrand him as family friendly? Uh, your immortal soul is in jeopardy if you do poorly. Uh, yes, I've got a great answer to this. So <laughs> all of the reboots today basically are taking like long titles or whatever and shorting them down to just one word. I'm thinking this is I probably isn't the greatest example of it, but isn't the reboot of Teen Titans just called like Titans? Titans yeah. So a thing that people have been calling each other a lot is King. So it's just King. I think you acquire the soda brand Mellow Yellow. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's, a, that's what you spend. That's what you spend those those bucks on, and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you just kind of iterate from there. Like you, you have you you don't change the color scheme at all. No, you, you definitely go. You, you definitely yeah. keep the king in yellow, but you you acquire Mellow Yellow, and that then implies that Haster is more mellow than he is. Very good answer. Uh, so on that note, again from Newt, invent a cocktail inspired by the King in Yellow. What's in it? Obviously, Mellow Yellow. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe like a uh, piss too or something. I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> I think Mellow Yellow. Mellow Yellow and also another yellow liqueur, something like a Malort. Mellow Yellow, Limoncello, what? Gold Tequila. Boom. Done. Next question. All right. Technically, we have two more King and Yellow. Do you still want two more King and yes, Yellow? Yes, just lay them on us. All right. And again, both from Newt. Newt really went Jeez, hard Newt. on these. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. If you could sit down with Haster as if you were hosting a late night talk show, what would be your three biggest questions? All right. Well, let's let's shorten this down to one. Yeah. We have other questions to do. Um, Wouldn't it be such a dick move to be like, how's your brother? <laughs> Asking about Cthulhu. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I would much rather sit down with Nyarlathotep. Seems like such mm. a it's like much more interested in human affairs is much more personable. Ooh. Speaking of Nyarlathotep, my question would be, what do you think about your anime? What do you think about your anime persona? <laughs> All right. Last uh last new question. Yeah, last new question uh for King in Yellow. If a production of the King in Yellow was televised on live TV, how do you think the modern world would change? 
Honestly, this world's so fucked up, it probably wouldn't change very much. All right. <laughs> Pretty much business as usual. <laughs> a, okay. a, city, a city would get erased off the face of the earth, and we've, most people would forget it in 24 hours. We've now got hours. the People's Republic of Carcassa. <laughs> <laughs> That's All not right. it. So, similar note, but not still about Haster and not from Newt. Okay. Corey has asked, what is your favorite Elder Gods slash Great Old One story, be it from Lovecraft or Chambers or someone after? Mm, like an actual short story? Is that what it we're talking about? It says story. Or, or are we talking about like, which one's yes, your favorite? actual short story. Okay. She has confirmed. Okay. I um, will say that this might not be the proper way to answer the question. The BBC put out a podcast called The Lovecraft Investigations, which I think I've talked about on this show before, but they've done three seasons where they have done a retelling of old Lovecraftian stories in a modern podcast format. The first one, Case of Charles Dexter Ward. The next one was Whisper in Darkness. And the third one was Shadow Over Innsmouth. And they do such a good job at portraying those three stories. Um, I'm not particularly familiar with the original content of those outside of Whisper in Darkness because I did some research for this episode on that one. But they, they do such a cool, interesting job. If you want a, a good modern version of these Lovecraft tales, that's the key. I really like them. Uh, in terms of H.P. Lovecraft, I've been on the record saying I kind of fucking hate the guy. Well, he's not a good guy. No. Uh, well, I hate the guy and really don't like his work. Um, but I'd say uh, the music of Eric Zahn is my favorite of his stories. Oh, I'm not familiar. I read a few of his. I like Dunwich Horror was a fun read. I like Dunwich Horror. Mm-hmm. I, I like Shadows Over In's Mouth. That's why I kept that whole. <laughs> I, I guess if I old. hadn't kept that in book four, I would have changed the entire thing. <laughs> but yeah. um, but kept that theme and and wanted to work it like pretty much told Emily when she made Lyra like, hey, this is, we're going to work like this, so read this story and take inspiration from this for your character. Mm-hmm. Hey, this could be recency bias, but I'll, I'll just go ahead and say Whisper in Darkness is a really interesting, cool story. I think Color Out of Space is really good. Ooh, yeah, Color Out yeah. of Space is great. I mean, yeah. I don't know if that necessarily that is one. like, this is a great old one. It's clearly a Eldritch Horror. Yeah. But. That's a good story. I like that. What else we got? All right. Now, this question is from DeMuth, who just popped out of the channel, (laughs) but he was asking for Griffin specifically. You said you were looking forward to being a manager. One, did your role as CEO of HLP prepare you to be a better manager? (laughs) Two, what did you learn from Ogogol that could help you in your new role? Uh, what did I learn from Ogagol? Never trust HR. (laughs) Never, ever trust HR. Always go over HR's head. That's what they always say. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Have I learned any? I mean, like, I don't, like, manage people in this. If you think I do, you kind of have it twisted (laughs) in how HLP operates. But I've certainly learned from this, like, at least the basics of running a business on our own, you know, that's what we're doing. Even though it's not a profitable business, (laughs) it still, it still has all the, all the underpinnings and responsibilities of a business. Um, And it definitely requires like 
maybe not direct management of anyone, but it, it requires, I would say, honestly, more so like admin stuff. Like it's just, it requires us to all be on the same page with a lot of different things, whether it's expectations or actual schedules or different streams of work that just can't all be done by one person because we obviously can't go full time in this endeavor. And so we're splitting like maybe one real person's full-time job into a bunch of people's part-time jobs. So that requires some management, even though I'm not like the oversight person by any means <laughs> of this group. So it's definitely like helped me in that respect, but I wouldn't say it's, it's going to help me like further someone's career path, like look out what's for what's best for somebody, like <laughs> in terms of their like growth and development. And those are the parts of being a manager that I'm really excited about that I, that I'm looking forward to and want to like do the best that I can at. Um, and I don't think HLP has prepared me for any of that at all, but uh, I guess that answers it, right? Three years, zero growth in this show, zero development. <laughs> Case study and how to stagnate. Um, all right. Do we have any other questions, Haley? We have a uh, one more question and I, I think it's from Brooks, but it was posted from Emily's account. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, what are the telltale Brooks signs? Uh, you'll, you'll hear it. Uh, why isn't Steve's cat's Steve's cat named Rumtum Tugger? Yeah, that's he's not a curious cat. That prop. <laughs> well, he is a very curious cat. <laughs> very curious about what's happening behind the entertainment center and uh, what different plugs do. Um, <laughs> yeah, that definitely came from Emily. Sounds like it came from Emily. <laughs> I did think about naming my cat after one of the cats in Cats, but all of those names are so clunky that it's uh, really, really hard to... Stop getting behind the TV, Rum Tum Tunga! <laughs> yeah, it's just not going to work. Hey, Rumple Teaser, get off the counter. Well, actually, that does work. Um, hey, Rumpel Teaser. You know what yeah, my cat's name is Rumpel Teaser now. Hey, Bustopher Jones. Bustopher Jones. That's an awful name. <laughs> All right. Well, if that's it, we are nearing the end of the episode, which means if anyone's got one, now's time for the final jab. Ooh, the final jab. <laughs> we established this on last episode. I took a note that if you wanted to take a cheap pot shot at Griffin or myself, one of you gets the opportunity to do it right now. And if I don't hear anything, we're going to wrap the episode up. Have you seen anything yet, Haley? Um, I see people are typing. Oh, 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 oh. Multiple. Multiple people are typing. Who's going to get that final jab in? Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, the, the anticipation. I just see the dot, dot, dot. Anticipation. <laughs> Oh, another person started typing. Uh -oh. oh, man. Uh -oh. <laughs> they better hurry up. Fucking I know. Trying to get the I know. Right, right hook, but no jabs yet. <laughs> oh, yes, I've got one. Okay. Is it a good one? I I, I think it's good. Um, right. Here we go. The final jab is... <laughs> Corey has said, I hear that Sweet Pump Seltzy is the equivalent of Twilight of Seltzies. How do you feel about that, Steve? Poof. Hitting me where it hurts. Below the belt, my Twilight fan. Right in your plums. Right in my plums. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Fair enough, Corey. You got me. That's the <laughs> final jab. Thank you, everybody, for coming out tonight to hang out with Griffin and myself. We were able to talk about Haster and try some seltzers. We're wrapping this one up tonight. We're going to head on over to the Drunk and Discordly chat for a little after party for an hour or so. We'll see you there. But otherwise, Griffin, is there anything you want to tell the people now that you have successfully succeeded your will save? You're out of the zone of truth. Finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. So I can't remember if it what what fruit it was, but in high school when the very original iPod like um like iPhone came out, my buddy had one and he had he got it jailbroken. Oh, the pineapple. Yeah, the pineapple. Yeah, okay, yeah, it was it, it was it, a pineapple. It, the jailbroken ones when you because when you like turn an iPhone on, it it does the yeah. little the little, little app, Apple, logo. Apple logo, and when you turned a jailbroken one on, it did a pineapple. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very. And then that since moved on to weed and then swingers. Now swingers use pineapples. What? Yeah, so that's a big thing. That's been a big thing for a long time. I don't know how long it's been a big thing. It's but been I, a lot, like a long time. In what way? I don't think it's been a thing for more than 10 years. Uh, so if you have pineapple decor or like pineapples on your front porch, you're, uh-huh. you essentially are saying like this is a swinger house and it's a swinger party. Oh, there's like a bunch of rules around it, too, like as far as pineapple upside down or, or right side up and like all which that means what? there's a lot of different Pretty things sure too. upside down. I thought upside down was like these are definitely swingers and not. This isn't somebody using a pineapple as decoration. What if there's a hole in the pineapple? Um, so, OK, OK. Swingers have used the, the pineapple symbol uh, since the early 70s to 60s okay that's a long time hmm. and it's because the pineapple has always represented hospitality and welcoming mm, no it's just been a weird thing to stick up your butt probably I'm that's not what it is um mm, well mm. people would turn the fruit upside down in their shopping trolleys when they were on the lookout for a good time that's what it was oh yes oh so when you're on the prowl pineapple pine, i'm gonna make you a pineapple upside down cake well, when watch, you're, when watch you're pineapple the, upside down, you want the cake. Yes. Watch me in the uh, in the grocery store loading up my cart with pineapples. All upside down. It's all on the record. I'm throwing it in the back. <laughs> Try to make eye contact with people. <laughs> well, you put it in... Um, that's where if you put it all upside down, and also if you put it in upside down pineapple decor or, or actual pineapple out on your front porch, that's saying you're looking to be invited to a swinger party. So, like, you're just asking oh. for it if you make jack-o'-lanterns out, out of pineapples. Okay, hold the fucking phone. So, if, if, I, if I'm walking through my apartment complex and you see a tonight, pineapple on the door? and I see a pineapple in front of somebody's door upside down, it would be acceptable for me to knock on their door and invite them to a swinger party? Only if you knock yeah. on the door with your cock. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, that... That might make it's sense. Special. Then, they said, and then by the oh. by the <laughs> by the thunderous knock or lack thereof, they decide. They go. It, it's it represents also, uh, you know, the willingness for wife swapping. Wife swapping. Mm-hmm. But if you see a pineapple on a cruise ship door, it especially means that it, the on people, a cruise ship door, the people oh, in yeah. the cabin are up for meeting other are, couples for adult fun. These people are fucking. Are they finding a pineapple <laughs> on the cruise ship, or are they just like fucking bringing pineapple I, accoutrement onto the cruise ship? I absolutely fear what if you can only get a wedge a cruise ship because 
You gotta know that. I mean, going on a cruise ship, you think that people are probably fucking all. I want, I want unprotected sex and yeah. also norovirus. <laughs> Do you guys want me to, to join? Just take, this, just take this on. Okay, take this on. Uh, we're back. Let him bask oh my in it. god! Yeah, it's uh, a. <laughs> Do you think they, they like you have to save up like they save the little pineapple wedges from their pina coladas mm-hmm. and just like slap them on the door? <laughs> That's what I just said. What if they only all night long, it's slowly sliding down. A wedge means only one of them is into it. I guess one of us <laughs> should explain what we're talking about for people listening in. Good evening. Welcome to the Zone of Truth Live. We're talking about wife swapping tonight. Tonight? <laughs> and swingers. Tonight the conversation oh, is... Oh, no, no, no. Hang on. They recommend that you you bring pineapple magnets from Amazon. Why the fuck? <laughs> Why the fuck are you going on a cruise and you're like, you know what I need to get? Before Wait. I go, before I go, I'm, I'm doing two things. I'm ordering two things in my Amazon shopping cart. Yeah. Get, no, get, a little, get a little Dramamine. So I, you know, so, so my, my rumbly tumbly... On on that ship, well, yeah. you know, I, I can I can enjoy the motion in the uh-huh. ocean. And then number two, I'm getting those sweet sweet pineapple magnets so that I can make sure that everyone knows I'm down to fuck the motion what? in the ocean while you're in motion on the ocean. Yes, the the double motion on they the ocean. State that one of the problems, like big issues with cruise ships and doing this, is. Uh, the obvious problem is that you only ever see doors that are on the same corridor as yours, which means swingers on different decks could never find each other. Not if you're oh. on the prowl, baby. What the fork? Not if you're <laughs> prowling around. Right. Mm, what do you think they do below going, decks at night? Damn it, I want to say going below decks. Mm, I'm, on the, I'm on the fiesta deck and I'm checking Ooh. every door for a pineapple because I know the people here know how to party. They also give All you tips, inclusive. such as if you ever see a message in a Facebook group asking who else is on a particular sailing and it uses a pineapple emoji, you can be pretty confident that person's looking to meet others on board for sex. I'm about to start spamming the Discord with pineapple. <laughs> fuck me on this boat. <laughs> Gen Con 2022. Pineapple, pineapple. pineapple, pineapple. Oh God. Steve, you have to have a partner to do swing. <laughs> <laughs> the HL, the HLP is there like is, half of a pineapple emoji? <laughs> The HLP is excited to be having an official presence at PaizoCon 2022. Who's looking for a third? third? Look at this shirt. Oh my! Plays well with others. Wow, that works. An upside down. That works pretty. That's almost as good as the shirt you have on. Oh yes, I would say uh, my shirt probably says much the same. I'm ready to get weird. (laughs) 